0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fresh from the Field. I'm your host, Ken Nelson, and on today's episode, we're talking about bovine tuberculosis. I have on the episode today, Nancy Barr. She's an assistant state veterinarian with MDAR in the Animal Industry Division, and also Emily Sewell. She's a wildlife health specialist for the Northern Lower Peninsula with the Michigan DNR. How are you both doing today? I'm
1: great. Thank you. Great, Ken. Thanks.
0: Thank you both for coming on the show. And so my first question, um, what is bovine tuberculosis and and where can it be found? And Nancy, we'll start with you.
1: Okay. Well, it's called bovine tuberculosis, it's a bacterium. And uh, there are a few different kinds of these mycobacterium that cause tuberculosis. This one happens to be, uh, you know, found in cattle uh, primarily, but can also infect many other species, including people. Um, It's found throughout the world. Uh, tuberculosis bacteria are. In fact, it's one of the oldest known disease to man. So it has been with us for a long time. It's a very hardy bug and uh, difficult to get rid of. In northeast lower Michigan here, we have a reservoir in our white-tailed deer, free-ranging white-tailed deer. So that's our concern. Primarily, it uh, sometimes spills over into our cattle herds. And so we spend a lot of our time uh, monitoring and controlling that.
0: Emily, what about um, from your perspective, uh, wh- where could it be found and, and how do you see it affecting Michigan wildlife?
2: Sure, as Dr. Barr said, it is in our wild uh, free ranging white tailed deer population. And we consider the endemic or the self-sustaining uh, area for the disease to be a five county area in the Northeast Lower Peninsula. And those five counties are Alcona, Alpena, Montmorency, Oscoda and Isle. The DNR has detected bovine tuberculosis in several wildlife species, but research has shown that all the others besides deer are what we would call a dead end host. So they're really not sharing it uh, in the environment, spreading it with other animals. It's the deer that are the reservoir. And as Dr. Barr mentioned, there's that risk of it spilling over to cattle and also a risk to our
0: hunters. So Emily, why is it important to monitor and take steps to um, eradicate this disease?
2: The DNR manages our wildlife and that includes our our deer uh, for their health. So we want a healthy and sustainable deer herd so that all the residents in the state of Michigan, including our hunters can enjoy the deer now and in the future. And in order to understand where the disease is present in the state and how prevalent it is, we have to monitor it. And that allows us to then know what management actions should be implemented to help address the disease. So, um, you know, why is it important? It poses a risk to hunters. It it does have a human health risk. And so the DNR never recommends that a hunter should eat an infected deer But only about 40% of the time when someone harvests a deer and they're field dressing it, would they see these lesions or white, bumpy, pimply looking things inside the deer that would make a hunter say, okay, this doesn't look right. I don't want to eat this or I should maybe get it tested. So the only way to know is by submitting that deer for TB testing Um, and then if that deer was found to be infected or positive, we would recommend that that hunter dispose of the meat um, and um, we would issue a replacement tag so that that hunter could harvest another animal. We don't want hunters um, ingesting any potential bacteria from that infected animal. So there there is a human health concern there for sure.
0: And, and Nancy, what about um, from your perspective, um, how can we monitor and take steps to eradicate the disease?
1: Yeah, from the you know, we're concerned about a food, a safe food supply and a safe and healthy uh, cattle herd here in Michigan for meat and milk. And so uh, what we do is we do a lot of surveillance um, routinely every, every year, every movement of cattle just to make sure there's not some disease hiding there that we don't know about. Generally, we find um, cases very early, can remove that animal from the herd and then can maintain uh, the the healthy food supply. So there are a lot of stopgap measures in place to make sure that um, that food is healthy. And uh, in, in our slaughter surveillance system here in the United States, they are always looking for bovine tuberculosis. So pasteurized milk and inspected meat and our testing helps to keep um, all of Michigan's meat and milk supply safe, and that's our primary goal. So how
0: do we know uh, where this disease is located in Michigan? Nancy, you can go ahead and start.
1: All right, well, from the bovine um, side, from the cattle side of things, when we do identify a a positive herd, we have a tool called whole whole genome sequencing. Um, It's sort of like a fingerprint. It's a very specific picture of the bacteria. So even though all of these bacteria are in the same genus and species, they're all just a tiny little bit different and they change based on where, where, um, what they've infected and where they've been. And so in Michigan, because we have a lot of that data already on the wild white-tailed deer, whenever one of those is found, a whole genome sequence is done, we can really directly pinpoint where an infection likely occurred when we see it in the cattle herd. So we know it was a local infection from um, say, you know, there was a deer that was identified with a very similar strain within the past few years. It gives us really good confidence that what we're seeing is a local um, infection in that herd. So whole genome sequencing is a, is a tool that helps us a lot. In addition to that, all of the surveillance that we do to look for where it might be in our cattle herds helps us to know um, that we have a very, very low level. And when we find it, it's, uh, we address it immediately.
2: Since the mid-1990s, the DNR has had statewide bovine TB surveillance in our free-ranging white-tailed deer. Um, That was after we identified the disease in the deer that was implemented. In addition to that, kind of since that time, uh, deer tested for chronic wasting disease by our wildlife disease lab have also been tested for bovine TB. So for Um, Multiple decades we've been testing across the state with focus in certain areas, and then lately when CWD hit the scene in Michigan, even more deer were added to that testing. So to this point, almost half a million deer have been tested across the state. Uh, Because of all that, we have a really good understanding of where the disease is present in our free-ranging deer in Michigan almost all of the infected deer that we have detected have come from deer management unit 487. So that's the deer management unit that the DNR designated because that's where we find most of the bovine tuberculosis in our deer. So it's managed uh, with disease in mind. And that management unit is comprised of that five county area I mentioned before Alcona, Alpinum, Oscoda, and Presqueal, plus Iasco County, because a couple deer have popped up uh, there as well with bovine TB.
0: So, Emily, you mentioned uh, deer management. What is currently being done to combat bovine TB?
2: That's a good question. A uh, baiting and feeding ban has been in place in the bovine TB area for at least 20 years. Bovine tuberculosis is a density-dependent disease. So the more deer we have or humans, whatever organism uh, we have in one area, the more likely it is for that disease to spread. So congregating deer around a food source is a good way to facilitate the spread of that disease. That can either be by um, infected deer coughing and spreading that bacteria to deer feeding close by or those infected deer coughing and leaving the bacteria on that bait or that feed that somebody left out for the deer and then um, other deer ingesting it. Um, so the, the baiting and feeding ban aims at, um, you know, reducing that, those actions from happening and reducing the spread of the disease in our wild deer. And a baiting ban for the entire lower peninsula went into effect in 2019 because of chronic wasting disease but that feeding and baiting ban has um, been around in the TB area for quite a long time. Another way is through managing the number of deer on the landscape for that same reason. It's a density dependent disease. So uh, the fewer deer we have, The the lower the density, the less likely the disease is to spread. So the DNR sets regulations that optimize opportunity for hunters to harvest deer. We can do that through the number of seasons that are offered, the length of those seasons, the number of tags that an individual can purchase. Um, So all those dials are kind of cranked up in DMU 487, that management unit I mentioned before, where the the focus of the management is addressing bovine tuberculosis. So we we maximize the number of deer that can be harvested um, compared to the rest of the state historically and um, really try to focus that on antlerless deer harvest because those female deer are the drivers of the population. Another thing that we do uh, is offer disease control permits to landowners. So agricultural producers, cattle producers can acquire these disease control permits to harvest deer separate from what they could buy with a regular hunting license to help reduce the risk of transmission from potentially infected deer to their cattle or reduce the number of deer that might be eating some of their crops.
1: So in in the cattle side of things, um, Emily talked about the fact that, you know, we know that this bacteria can be spread from animal to animal, and it's not just with direct spread, but it can survive in the environment in certain circumstances for quite some time. So research has shown us that it can live for more than a month on uh, corn and hay, where it's cold and uh, maybe a little wet and shady. So we know that the persistence there is great. And so for the cattle uh, producer and the cattle farmer, their, uh, their goal to prevent spillover into their herds is through a program that we have called wildlife risk risk mitigation, sorry, wildlife risk mitigation. This program helps them identify on their farm those areas of potential transmission and then how to take steps to mitigate those. So fencing, storage of feed, um, providing an artificial water source rather than a shared pond, for example. Um, these are all strategies that are really critical for farmers to be aware of and take actions to prevent spillover into those cattle herds. And that's our primary tool for combating the disease, getting in on um, the rest of what we do is looking for it to make sure that it didn't, or if it did it, it get in, we find it.
0: So, so Nancy, what are the bovine TB uh, surveillance goals for 2021?
1: So in the, um, in the MAZ areas, so that's four counties um, of, that, that we have our cattle MAZ zone, and that's the modified accredited zone. We have a federal split state status in the state. So those four counties are considered modified accredited and then the rest of the state is considered free. However, so we do um, annual surveillance and uh, whole herd testing in that uh, area as well as a uh, movement testing for cattle in that area. But we also are aware that Preskill County as Emily had mentioned, um, is also a known reservoir for the disease. We don't see it in cattle herds very frequently there, but it's still potential risk. And we had uh, we did see one a couple of years ago. So that county now has the same requirements. So every herd in that county will also be tested uh, once a year and we'll have movement testing requirements this year. Then the six counties that surround the MAZ, sort of what we call the buffer counties, in those counties, we've done 150 herds chosen randomly um, over the past two years. That will wrap up in April of next year. And um, that's that's currently what our surveillance plans are. Once we get the data from all of that, we look at that, then we uh, talk with USDA to determine um, future surveillance plans.
2: On the deer side, the surveillance is Um, a little different. So we have some goals that are established, similar to how uh, Dr. Barr was explaining, there is surveillance and cattle testing that's established through a joint agreement with both agencies, the Michigan Department of Natural Resources and Department of Agriculture and Rural Development with the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And so that kind of sets what the testing needs to be, that surveillance for cattle and also for our deer. And we have multiple different counties and goals that have required uh, bovine TB surveillance. So in the kind of core area, we keep referring to um, that Alcona, Alpina, Montmorency, Oscoda, four-county MAZ area we need a total of 2,800 deer to be tested collectively from those four counties and outside of that the counties that are directly adjacent they kind of make a, a letter c around those four that i listed um, they all need to test 300 deer each with the exception of prescial which needs to test at least 500 and then we have uh, a couple circles, we call them testing circles outside of those counties as well where we detected a infected cattle herd and then we draw um, a circle with a certain radius around those herds to test the wildlife and just make sure that the disease didn't spill over then from that infected herd back into the deer. So uh, again the the c-shape of adjacent counties to the four county area each need to test 300 deer uh, individually.
0: So Emily, um, what are some of the key ideas that our listeners should take away from our conversation today?
2: I would say some of the key takeaways for people today would be one that we've talked about the risks of bovine TB to cattle and to deer and to humans, but I would like people to keep in mind that this is a disease that is at a, a pretty low level on the landscape even in the the core area. So uh, about 2% of deer are likely to be infected with the disease. So that doesn't sound like a lot, but it is enough to maintain the spread of the disease and that risk among our wildlife and the spillover to cattle. And again, that risk to people and that low risk is what makes it difficult to control sometimes. So that's one takeaway. The second is to keep hunting. Um, As long as you get your deer checked, you know, it's, it's very safe to hunt in the TB area and to harvest those deer and consume those deer. So don't let this stop you from hunting. We want people to keep hunting and and bring somebody new along, bring your kids, your grandkids, uh, invite someone that's new to the sport to hunting. And then if you are successful, to bring your deer to a check station. Like I mentioned before, most of the time, um, you can't tell just by looking at that deer that you harvest when you're field dressing it, if it looks healthy, if it has TB. So it's important to bring the deer to a check station or
1: utilize one of our 24 hour drop boxes to submit the head for testing. And for for our cattle farmers, um, a couple of things. One obviously, Protecting your herd, working through the wildlife first mitigation program and protecting your herd so we don't see spillover. Um, if you have a lot of land and you would be willing to uh, sponsor or allow hunters to come on, Did um, DNR has a HAP program, a hunter access program, whereby you can um, allow hunters on your land and, and receive some payment for that. So that's a good program. In addition, the hunter, the cattle farmers have DCPs, disease control permits available to them. So utilize those disease control permits. And the more deer that we uh, you know, can test and know where we have the disease, the better off we are for targeting our resources. And we all have to work together to ensure a healthy cattle herd, a healthy deer herd, and keep our communities healthy that rely upon hunting and cattle farming up in that northeast lower Michigan area.
0: Thank you both. I did want to ask this one question. Where can people listening find out more um, about bovine TB and about the resources that um, we offer Um, hunters? Anyone else want to know more about this information?
2: There are two places that I would send people. The first is www.michigan.gov slash bovine TB. That's where you'll find uh, information for hunters, for livestock owners, all the, the general TB information and data about testing in deer and where the disease has been found and the prevalence can all be found on that website. If somebody wants to find a check station or a self-service drop box, which is another option for submitting their deer head for TB testing, they can go to www.michigan.gov slash deer check. And there's a map that shows all the locations across the state where our check stations are open, as well as our 24-hour drop boxes, which are not staffed. So those 24-hour drop boxes are an option for people that can't make it to a staff check station, still want to submit their head for testing, and can show up anytime with the head of their deer already removed and a smartphone and use a QR code to access an online form and they can do everything themselves and submit the head for testing that way.
0: Well, thank you both for coming on the show. This is great information. I hope the listeners learned a lot. Thank you listeners. I'll be putting those uh, web links in the show notes and I'll see you next week.